Welcome to Hello Hilltop. I'm Maddie Johnson. Today I'd like to welcome SMU Corporate Communications and Public Affairs Professor and Director of Operations for Restorative Farms, Dr. Doric Earl. Dr. Earl is a 1981 graduate from Syracuse University that has also received his master's in strategic planning from the University of Connecticut and a PhD in public affairs from the University of Texas. Dr. Earl has 30 years of experience managing large technology consultancies and has become an avid volunteer in many different organizations that focus on helping communities, social enterprises, and entrepreneurs achieve collaborative, engaging, and sustainable solutions. Today he is here to discuss his experiences in launching a nonprofit organization during COVID-19 and giving advice for students that are seeking to make a positive difference in today's society. Welcome, Dr. Earl. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It will be. Um, as a current student of yours, I was very inspired by how you found such a passion for bettering communities. Where did this all stem from? I think as we've discussed in one of the classes, there's a formation of a worldview that you get when you grow up and you get experience and you go and do things and you have your family and your passions and your religion. My case, I traveled by the time I was 20 to probably 35 or 40 countries around the world. Most of the time camping, living amongst the people, understanding them, getting to know them. And it's funny, we are in this global pandemic and we have some tensions in the world. I would argue that if you go and talk to the people as opposed to the governments, the people still love each <laughs> other. It's the governments we have issues with. And in any case, I got to see some really poor countries and some really, um, but very proud people who, but by virtue of a little help, wouldn't have made it. So it stuck with me as a child that people are, who are willing to help themselves with a little help might be um, something to have passion around. And when I took a package and left corporate America, I found that the city that I had been living in for almost 30 years, had never really known, had a big pocket of people in need. Yes. And so that's where I turned my attention, the people who want to do better for themselves but needed some help. So I decided to focus on, on those uh, places in Dallas. That's very interesting. And I know that just recently, this past March, one of your projects you've been working so hard on, along with a great team of people, uh, launched. It was Restorative Farms is a wonderful nonprofit organization benefiting the food deserts in South Dallas. Would you mind telling our listeners what food deserts are and uh, how you got involved in this project? Sure. Yeah. So USDA, the Department of Agriculture, designates a place that doesn't have fresh fruit or vegetables in, a, in a affordable way within a mile's distance of a community. And oftentimes that community is underserved or in poverty. In Dallas, in the 75210 and 75215 zip codes, which are adjacent to the state fair, uh, we have some of the highest child poverty rates in the country. We have uh, a very tough infrastructure for people to get around, not many stores. Um, so the idea was, what do we have in South Dallas? We have plenty of willing people, able labor. We have plenty of arid land, open vacant lots all over the place. The city tore down many, many houses during the crack epidemic in the 90s, and we never really rebuilt the infrastructure. So we have all this 
property and all this willing labor, what we needed now is some way to harness it. So uh, Dr. Owen Lynch and his uh, founding partner, Brad Boa, came up with building a, a seedling farm in 2017 in the same neighborhood. From that seedling farm last fall, we launched restorative farms on a plot of land leased from DART for a few dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and in March, we uh, turned on our e-commerce site and started selling our Vic- Victory Garden Grow Boxes, which took off like hotcakes because, and that's dated me, let's see, took off like <laughs> iPhones, took off like TikTok. Um, because people, A, were worried about the pandemic and getting access to food, B, were bored out of their minds and needed something to do. And this was a perfect thing to get the kids off the couch and out of the house and playing with the dirt. So it, it, it's one of those things, business is oftentimes as much luck as it is skill. And we were lucky that we uh, had something that people are interested in. Yes. And I actually have a question about um, that. In the, in the beginning of when the rumors of the pandemic were growing, you, like many business owners, uh, had a calm optimism that things would pass. However, there must have been some fears that your mission to build a community garden wouldn't pan out for the pandemic guidelines, such as social distancing and quarantines. So could you talk me through what your team's crisis management was like during these unprecedented times? Yeah, in, 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 a, in a very young company put together by a lot of very smart volunteers, sometimes it can be... Um, difficult to to see the future because everybody has so many ideas about what will happen. But I think the central idea was, okay, we'll have to limit what we can do on the farm because we can't get close to each other. Luckily, we have this other alternative, this e-commerce site. Let's try that and see if we can't generate some income, do some good things in the community, and ride that out for a while until we see kind of through the, the, the smoke of the pandemic, what's going to happen, how we're going to navigate. So we had to, we pivoted to a new idea and mm-hmm. we embraced that new idea wholeheartedly and got behind it and really pushed to, to deliver those products. Would you say that um, you use some ways personally of your communications and public affairs background into running a nonprofit organization such as like what procedures did you guys have to take to, or for you, for instance, be a leader and a team player within a growing business? That's a great question. Um, Should be on the test maybe. Um, So we all, there's four of us folks that were members of the board, Tyrone Day being the master gardener. He's the person the boots on the ground. Dr. Lynch was the kind of order processing. Brad Boa was logistics getting the grow boxes and I was running the e-commerce site and doing the finance. You have to make sure that everybody's lanes are clear, what their responsibilities are. And then you have to communicate early and often. We had weekly meetings on Mondays to make sure that we knew what was going on. If we needed anything, we kept notes, we followed up with each other, but it is a, a structured routine of communicating. And then if there was any issues, everybody knew that they could get, each other quickly if they needed something to, you know, someone to intervene, that everybody had their back. So there was regular communication about the things that we control. And then there was a, a, a feeling of uh, reality to everybody has each other's back. And we texted, for instance, if something was in crisis. 
The other thing that you want to do in, from an OrgCom perspective, you want to make sure that you understand the context of the messaging. You have to understand the people that we were servicing, two very different um, groups. One was kind of a retail crowd in North Dallas, East Dallas. The other was a Southern sector, a very different viewpoint. So you have to make sure you're kind of wearing everybody's shoes and understanding what the context is. I think that's great advice, especially the daily huddle of just getting everyone on the same page. My next question for you is that what does restorative farms have in store for the future? Uh, what steps are you putting in place to move forward in the goal of becoming a self-sustaining business? I know that's a mission of yours. Yes. So the, so the top line, the big, hairy, audacious goal is to create a food system, basically connect those urban farmers that we know now, there's probably seven or eight that we're partnering in kind of in the Dallas County area. And then there's some rural farmers that we want to connect with who can grow different things than we can here in the urban space. And with the grow box business and the community supported agriculture, the, you know, where you buy every week a box of veggies, we're going to create a market. So we're going to create a market that will provide food, for the community where there isn't much now. We'll also create an engine for people to, to have jobs and create income and create wealth for them. So at the top line is creating the system, um, connecting the resources of there and growing, adding more farms as we go along. The micro goal is to reach out to everybody in the community who wants a grow box. I mean, everybody. Everybody in the 75215210 zip code, and we have lots of partnerships with nonprofits and churches. Anybody that wants a grow box, we want to see one on every single, in every single yard. Because that means people are engaged. That means they have an opportunity for fresh vegetables. And it has an opportunity for, for uh, creating income. Yeah. So top lines, create the system. Bottom line, get everybody's hands dirty. Right. And I know that's been a rewarding experience. Uh, could you name like what your number one most rewarding part of this whole process has been with the work on the farms. I know that for me and many CCPA students, it has been so special working behind the scenes and getting to be involved in such a great nonprofit. Well, there's, there's kind of two, two really, really um, points, two strong points. One is you, the students. I had no idea how you would react. I had no idea that you had such passion, that you cared about, I mean, in many ways, a theoretical thing that your professor, you know, brought to you, you could just check the boxes and, you know, do the minimal. But you, you all were, were wonderful. You all embraced it and really, really ran with it. That was so fulfilling. It makes the hair the back of my neck stand up um, because you're engaged and you see at least to a certain extent what we're trying to do and having empathy. And I think the other thing for me, just personally, is we can talk about it all the time, but doing something you say you're going to do for the community and actually following through, doing what you say, as, as Tyrone Day says, our master gardener, you say you're going to do it, you got to do it. And being able to do that in a community where things are broken, lives are made, promises are broken a hundred times a day, being able to bring some hope to people that there is there are people out there who will do what they say and who want to help. And so that's kind of, that's very fulfilling too. 
Absolutely. And what advice would you give to a student that is passionate about a cause and wants to make a difference in this world, but just doesn't know where to start? Yeah, I, that's, a, that's another great question. And I actually took some advice from my older son, who's now 28 or 29, when I first uh, took the package from corporate America and I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. He said, Dad, go out and meet 500 people in the community and doing things that you're interested in and it will reveal itself. So his point where there is where you have a passion, go follow that passion, go find people who have that passion, um, find people with similar interests, whether it's church or social or work, whatever it is, follow that passion, trust that passion, keep it in perspective. You may not be Tom's shoes and be a multimillionaire right out of the gate. Keep it in perspective. Don't lose that feeling, that passion, but remember there's a timing that everybody has to go through. And, you know, it only took me 35 years to figure it out. So sometimes it takes a while. Um, people, like I said in the beginning, people are the, the, the source of the way forward. So keep your passion, keep your perspective about the timing, find the people who love you for what you're doing or want to do, and then persevere. Right. Persevere is probably the biggest thing. We get impatient. We want things to happen right away. I've been doing this almost six and a half years now, and we're still learning things about what we're doing and how we're doing. We're still not even close to where we want to be. So persevere. Stick with it. It's hard work, mm -hmm. but there's nothing better. There's no other more rewarding to t than to understand and, and understand that you're, you have a privilege. Every day that you're waking up, you have something more than somebody else. And to understand that and feel that empathy for somebody else is really important. Well, I think that's a great message for today's society. And I do have one last question for you. Is there a certain mantra or motto you live life by? Like what motivates you to work hard every day? Yeah, so I think gratitude for what I have, empathy for people who don't have what I have, and then nothing worthwhile is easy, so persevere. That's great. Well, everyone, if anyone is interested in more information about Restorative Farms, please visit the website and feel free to donate or buy our your own personal grow box. Thank you. Oh, one last thing. So I'm also working on a book that highlights this. Yes. Reinventing Yourself for Good is my life story, but more importantly, it's life stories of 10 other um, types of people who have pivoted towards doing good, much like we're talking about here. People who have reinvented themselves, whether they were wrongly incarcerated, or whether they were corporate executives, or whether they were academics, people who have reinvented themselves for good. And we're telling their story, and soon we'll have some of their podcasts on the Meadows site. So look for that, along with these wonderful podcasts. That's great. And I want a signed copy of that book when it comes out. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Earl. And we appreciate your insight today for our podcast. Thanks to everyone listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed and more interesting stories and people that are a part of this amazing montage that make up SMU on the Hilltop.